Hi, welcome back to Kansas City's Marketing and Advertising Podcast. I am your host again, David English, and I have with me today a guest who is an absolute ball of fire. She will not disappoint at all, and um, her name's Erin Folk. She's the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Lillian James Creative here in Kansas City, and um, you guys are really in for a treat. She's one of the more dynamic individuals I've had the chance to meet. She's not afraid to put herself out there and tell you the truth opposed to maybe what you want to hear, which I think in the marketing world is is a rarity. Uh, too many times we listen to our customers or our clients, we adhere to their requests, and we don't really tell them what they need to hear. And Aaron does a great job of looking you in the eye and telling you exactly what's going on for better or for worse and let you decipher really you know what, what it is. Um, I'm excited to have her here, and I think um, I think it's going to be a really great time. Before we jump in with her, I want to remind everyone why we are here. Um, AdTrend, um, my company, is a locally owned billboard organization here in Kansas City, and we spend our days fighting these corporate entities day in and day out who have resources that, frankly, we just don't have. As a locally owned company, we um, we don't have a national marketing team focused solely on national accounts. We focus on local businesses and we realize that there are a lot of great marketing companies here in Kansas City doing great things like Lillian James um, that you're going to talk to today. We wanted to create a platform for people to reach out and say, here I am, here's why um, you should give locally owned marketing companies a shot. We're doing great stuff here in our metro and um, now I've been wanting to get Aaron on our podcast for a very long time because I've, I've been very much aware of what their company does. Um, so with that said, Aaron, I'm excited, glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. Um, really quick, let's just jump right in. Tell everyone kind of who you are, your background, okay. a little bit about so they know what's going on. Who I am. Here. Okay. Um, so my name's Aaron. It's like a boy, A-A-R-O-N, which I hated when I was younger, but now it's amazing when it comes to emails and being a woman in business and getting on certain doors. I started Lillian James Creative in uh, June of 2016, so almost two and a half years ago. Right. Uh, before that, worked in the agency space on the sales side. So really saw an issue with, uh, as things became more and more digital, how, how we sold as agencies to clients and how frustrated clients became because we just weren't agile enough. And so... Bought this URL from the company, gosh, probably five years ago. Mm-hmm. Took me another two and a half years after that to to start. I like to say I sat at another agency and watched them make a lot of mistakes that I don't have to make now, yep. which is awesome, um, and learned a lot of good things too. So started this company because Nike came to me on something, which I think people find really interesting because I'm a single mom of two kids with no college degree here in Kansas City. So how does Nike come to you on something? How does Nike find you? How does Nike find you in the middle of Shawnee, Kansas, right? So it was uh, all based off my LinkedIn, just my personal LinkedIn and my personal branding. And it kind of gave me that platform to, I think Steve Harvey calls it, to jump. Mm-hmm. And when it was time to jump, I was brave enough to jump. I have a mentor who's a, a Harvard MBA who tells me that there's a Harvard study done where men have to be about 78% ready to make that jump, 
or a big decision like that, women usually have to be about 110% ready. She says she thinks I'm a good 50%. Okay. Oh, there you go. So I probably jumped a little bit even before I should have, but it ended up working out, I think, pretty good so far. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, I I would say so. Um, Tell us about your company then. Where, you know, what are you guys doing now? You're a little bit different than a lot of the traditional agency that you would knock on the door and sit down with. We are. So we're very different. So we are primarily a digital agency. So I love social. I'm passionate about social. I eat, breathe, sleep, social. Um... So much to the point that last night my my daughter, uh, I let her play on her little phone for a little bit, and she was making, she said she was live streaming how to draw a puppy because she wanted to put it on social media. And I was like, ah! <laughs> but it was a really good video in her defense. You're rubbing off on her. <laughs> I'm rubbing off on her. She spent a lot of time here over the holiday during work. So I uh, wanted to be a social media company. That's what Nike came to me for. Uh, really allowed me to start that. Quickly, so two and a half years ago, social, it, things have just changed so much, realized that you can't be a good social com- social media company for the client. You can kill their social media, but if their website sucks, you can only get so far. You can't be a good social media company without having a video department. You can't be a good social media company without having a graphics department or a photographer or any of these, a good content department. And before I know knew it, I looked up. And we become a full service agency, a blown out, right? Uh, we started calling ourselves a full service agency. We are definitely a full service agency. Um, offer everything, even up to podcast, right? And, and everything in between. Even we even do ghostwriting for um, some celebrities. They see that I didn't know. Yeah, that's great. We've got really cool clients. We've got professional athletes that we do all of their stuff. Like it's just gotten to the point. People have to have you manage their social. So we went through this thing, became a full service agency with a little bit different business model which I think the agency is the agency world is at all now starting to adapt to where we were selling our increments to clients and then they could use any of our services within those increments so if something changed on Facebook and now you wanted to be heavier and on Instagram I didn't make you sign a new a new contract right just very um, more fluid with our clients I think a lot more companies are doing that two and a half years later So I am actually just getting ready to graduate from a course that I was accepted into that really taught you the business side of stuff that I didn't know and how to scale that business. And in turn, I've learned we need to get back to our roots. And so in 2019, we are going back to being a social media company with all this stuff in the background because you have to have all this stuff. But I think that we definitely learned the lesson of People want you to know a space, and they want you to know it really well. So while we'll still do podcast, that podcast ends up on social, right? Right. So we, our goal now is to become the biggest social media company in the Midwest. We are well on our way. I, we're in the top five right now, um, but I want to be first the best in the Midwest, then the best in the nation. I love so, it. So yeah, that's kind of goals. So was the growth that you kind of have gone through part of a strategic plan, or was it kind of just you know, keeping the ball rolling uphill and, yeah. and making making dis- one decision after another? Or was it really strategically laid out and put together for you? No, there was no strategy whatsoever, <laughs> which sounds really bad. And I'm understanding as we grow, there needs to be more strategy. But I didn't go to business school. I went to advertising journalism school at KU and dropped out for a boy. 
a few years after I was there. And when I was in advertising school, I was meeting my friends at Kinko's, telling them what time we would be there to do our stuff. So all of this stuff I'm doing now wasn't even something I could have learned in school, right? Mm -hmm. Much less the business side of stuff. So I started the business, and I knew sales. And I knew the worst that people can say to you is no. So I... Got a bartending job because I'm a single mom and I couldn't just quit. It was really scary to just quit my job. And I thought, here's my goal. I'm going to give myself six months to get to school and I'm going to bartend at night. And I was very lucky that I had a friend that owned a Mexican restaurant that knew I wanted to do this for years. And he said, do it. You got a job here because I was a terrible bartender. But, <laughs> okay. but I was like bad with the chips and salsa, the whole thing. I was terrible. So I was lucky. I got to quit that job in just a month. Because I knew sales. So I was out selling on passion alone. Because I didn't have anything with our uh, name to it. Like we didn't have any social media clients, right? I had my own personal stuff. Now, I I was smart in the fact that I had for over 10 years grown my LinkedIn Mm -hmm. to the, I think at that time... I've got about 15,000 followers now. I think at that time I had about five to 6,000, which was a lot two and a half years ago. That's before everyone started paying attention to LinkedIn. I was able to put a couple posts on LinkedIn and had a couple immediate meetings and then was just closing in those meetings. And then realized, okay, now I have clients. Now I don't have time to go to clients, do the work, and continue to sell. I'm never going to grow that way. So real quickly said, uh, I need office space. So went down everywhere on Shawnee Mission Parkway because I have a firm belief everyone will come to Shawnee Mission Parkway in Salt City. It's kind of crazy. And asked every single one of these office places if I could have free office space, even if it was a closet. And I would do their social media. And every single one told me no, including every. The, every single one, including the one we're sitting in. And then I just thought, what's the harm in following up? In sales, you're supposed to follow up. Sure. What's the harm in following up? So I circled back around, got a lot more no's. And when I called this guy... And by this guy, I mean the place we're still sitting in, even though he's no longer the owner. He said, I cannot get you out of my mind. I've never seen this done in business before. You can have this, what was a tiny little room. You can have this, and it included the utilities. And you do my social media, and we'll just see how this works. Let's do it for the, this was in about July 2016. Let's finish out 2016 and do this. And I said, okay, cool. Well, real quickly, he started getting leads through social because he had never done anything on social. And I was like, these spots over here, the spot that he had me in, like, like spaces were $300, all utilities paid. Like, what sort of business owner is going to turn that away on Shawnee Mission Parkway, right? Shawnee Mission, right. And he, it turned out he had places in Waldo and downtown, all these places, but he was just doing old school property management, putting that big sign outside and answering the phone sometimes, right? So we were able to fill up his spaces really fast by giving him very warm leads and Because of that, he continued to let our office space grow, and he's now sold this building because he was able to sell at such a high level because it was full. Right. It's pretty much a cash cow. We now have the entire upstairs as well as part of the downstairs. We do pay rent now, but um, he is also now a paying client to us since he sold this building. Wow. So it was just things like that. Like, that's one example. I just kept saying... I'm just going to ask, and the worst they can say is no, and I continued doing that, even um, to the point of some of the some of the major doors we've gotten in were places people would have never thought, like Central Exchange, we're a corporate partner. Right. Um, it's a women uh, 
organization. Okay. I'm a woman-owned business. We were start. I wanted to go there, but it was a hundred dollars a month. And when you're making no money, a hundred dollars a month to go might as well be like a million. It might as well be. And I just wanted to go. So they were getting a new CEO, and there was a lot of stuff about the old CEO leaving, and no one knew how to take the new. I don't think she was. I think people were excited, but it was just change, and so people were trying to adapt to that. And so I said. And I had heard a couple people had emailed her and couldn't get a hold of this new CEO, and they didn't know how to take it. So I just went up to Central Exchange, and I just went and found her office, and I just knocked on the door. And I said, I don't want to bother you now. I just want to get on your calendar. I have an idea. Your website sucks, because Mm -hmm. it did at the time. And I want to come here. And I'd love to bring my couple employees here, too. I have an idea of how maybe we could work out a deal. And I think she was so blown away that I just walked into her office and... Maybe that the secretary didn't stop me or something like that, too. But she said, okay, can you come in tomorrow afternoon? And I was there tomorrow, the next afternoon, and we became a corporate sponsor um, in not with money, but, you know, doing some um, donation of goods, including a new website and marketing stuff. And in turn, we're still a corporate sponsor today. Mm -hmm. That is one of my very best friends now today. We are actually going to speak at Leadership Lyceum this year, which is the biggest uh, women's development day together which if you've ever seen Courtney Thomas from Central Exchange we are polar opposites but we're going to speak on leadership together because at the end of the day uh, we're both kind of doing the same thing with very different methods and we're excited to show people how if you just ask and uh, believe in yourself that collaboration can happen with no matter who you approach that's awesome yeah so your story as you're telling your story a question came to mind and um, I think there are two philosophies as far as a drive and a passion and just push and push and push and versus waiting around for my big break. Yeah. Um, would you say you had that big break or was it just all, I'm going to knock on a door and I'm going to make this happen because you knew you wanted this agency and ID. You had yeah. an idea for years. I mean, is there a big break that people should just wait for or is it a drive? Well, okay. So I think that you could look at the Nike thing being my big break. The rest of the Nike story is that the Nike deal didn't work out. They decided not to go with it. So I never got a dollar from Nike. So I spent six months working on some proposals and going back and forth. You didn't see a nickel. And never saw a nickel from it. So to me, that was kind of my push to make it happen. Um, But I didn't wait for that money to come in, right? Mm -hmm. I could have not honored my non-compete that I was in at the time and done it on the side and waited to see if it gone through. For me... Quitting my job and having no backup plan except for bartending made me just work 10 times harder. How do you make that jump then? (laughs) I mean, that's a lot. That's that's Well, and I'll tell you what made it even harder. Uh, I, before, I knew I wanted to change. I knew I needed to change what I was doing at that agency. I didn't want to be there anymore. So I had been putting out resumes, but with no college degree, you just don't even hit with algorithms. You know, they just kick out your resume. And somehow there was a glitch in a system and a very large data company um, got a hold of my resume and the girl goes, I don't know why, but I'm going to schedule a phone interview. So I thought, well, I'm trying to make this decision. I'll still go through this interview process. I used to do interviews all the time just for fun, just to see if I could do it because I didn't have a college degree. I think it was my way of proving to myself I was supposed to be a businesswoman. Um, So I... Of course, make it through the phone interview. I make it through all their interviews. And I literally get the final panel interview come in. She's like, pretty much, you just got to show up and you have this job on the back end, right? And 
it was $80,000 a year base plus commissions. So this job is going to be close to 200000 a year. Okay, I want to tell you at this time, I was making more money than ever, and I think I was clearing thirty-five k for me and my two kids. Right. Like, I wasn't making a lot of money at the agency I was at, and uh, although I was in sales and I was doing really well, they continued to cut my commission, cut my commission, which is part of the reason why I wanted to leave. So, you're going to tell me you're going to pay me an $80,000 salary when I'm raising two kids by myself? Like... There was no big break. I had I legitimately called my grandfather, who's the only kind of entrepreneur in our family, who was a dentist and a TMJ specialist. He had, you know, grown up in the... He's very old, so he's like 85 or something. So he had done all the stuff, like grown up on dirt floors, worked his way up, became this wonderful doctor, and then none of his kids took it, <laughs> took on. They all became hippies and, you know, granola and stuff <laughs> like that. And then so he's the only person that's kind of an entrepreneur in our family. Um, you know, I think it's a little more laid out sometimes when you go in like a attorney or a dental role or something like that. It's not like you're coming up with this brand new business. Like, here's the steps to do that. Yeah. Um, and I called him and I said, okay, if he tells me to do it, then I'm making the right decision. And I said, here are my two options. And he point blank said, take the job. You're never going to see $80,000 for years. And you're going to hate your life. And being an entrepreneur is not fun, and it's not pretty, and they're glamorizing it right now. Take the other job. And so I just did the opposite. I I did the entrepreneur because I knew the minute he said take the job and I didn't like the answer, I would be miserable in that job. And it would just put me more behind because I ended up needing to be here. So although I think certain people get big breaks, I do think the breaks come from all the work on the back end. So they'll look more like big breaks than they actually are, right? right? Like – Musicians, You always think, oh, that was their big break. They were in the right time, the right place. No, they weren't. They were probably, you know, singing when they were six up until then. Yeah. You know, and grinding right. and doing stuff. I, I'm not, a, even like on American Idol and stuff, like, I think that's a great platform, but I don't think that's a big break. I think a lot of those people went through a lot to get there. They did a lot in the background yeah. to help create. What's the what's the saying? The, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of philosophy. So, shifting gears a little bit, um, as far as the business goes. Yeah. Where, five years, 10 years down the line, where do you guys see yourself? So I actually have my graduation from my program next week, so I'm doing my five-year plan. So um, I would say three years, the largest social media company in the region. Okay. Five years, I'd like to be in that top five in the United States. Okay. I believe we should be on the book list for Kansas City this year. That was my this year goal for um, social media company. And... I think personally, so that's the business. Right now what I'm doing is I'm not working in the business. I'm working on the business. business. Yeah, and there's a huge difference. Huge difference. And it's very hard for me to let go sometimes, especially if mistakes get made in the business. Because then I go, oh, my God, this is my company. And I've really had to learn on leadership and have a lot of learning still to do with leadership. Very lucky to have put a great team that is just as passionate. I like to say sometimes more passionate about the business as I am in place. But um, my personal goals are to, and what we've really found that works for our business is I've really, um, I guess this is where the strategies come in this year, is position myself to speak using my story about growing the business. Um, Usually when I speak, we bring on at least one client. 
uh, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. There was one one event we spoke at and we brought on 10 clients. Oh my gosh. Well, a client to me is worth $24,000. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I show up for an hour to speak. So I love that. Um, as well as we have a podcast that we are bringing in, like, who's who of women leaders in Kansas City. You want to plug the podcast real quick? Yes, cocktailhourpodcast.com. It has allowed me to sit, because again, I don't, I don't ever even think about maybe I shouldn't ask this question like it just isn't a thing Mm -hmm. so we recently fun story had Dr. Andrea Hendricks I don't know if you're familiar with her but she's on the uh, exec team at Cerner she runs all of diversity and inclusion like someone I will probably never sit down at another table with if I wouldn't have gone to an event where she was speaking and then stalked her afterwards like legitimately (laughs) went and found her afterwards and my team has made me up cards that say please be on my podcast and went and found her and handed her a card and said Please, I want you on this podcast. If you give me a card, I will send you over. You can make the decision. You can approach us. And then she was on it. And now she's actually, I'm an email away if I need something from her. So through this, we're able to really get some awesome women in here. And then we're learning and we're figuring out how to, we've really focused on figuring out how to really help women and women businesses Um, We have a lot of awesome men clients, but what I found is being as a women-owned business that a lot of women-owned businesses just sometimes don't know the next step or can't get the funding or can't, you know, we're still, we're still a little bit behind on how women fit into some of the seats at the table. You think there's a problem with information not being as readily available or not being as provided as as a a man-owned business or... <laughs> I think that I thought there was when I first started this right. business, right? Um, I think we've made huge strides in the past two years just as a community. Mm-hmm. There are, I, and maybe I just know about them more now, but there are a ton of really supportive women um, organizations in Kansas City that help with uh, business and starting like this. What I really think is our biggest problem, <laughs> our 100 biggest problem, is that. We have for years been told that women, there's only a few seats, and we've got to fight for those seats, and we have to fight for those seats. And so I believe that women are really sometimes our own biggest problem. Because I know just in my space, my biggest supporters have been women, but then also my biggest supporters have been men. But then my biggest... People that are out to get me, that are copying my content, that are calling my clients, that are sending rude emails and making rude comments, are women. Yep. And I can't tell you any men that have done that to me. Right? Huh. So while I think that the conversation for a long time has been, there's so many men at the table, there's only a few spots for women, I think that somehow women have pitted each pitted themselves against each other. And so... Part of my goal is is I've been really vocal about that issue. I've had a few videos on LinkedIn go very viral where there's women that are major, major C-suites on my LinkedIn, C-suite seats that are saying, yeah, this is a problem. How do we fix this? And so part of my personal plan is to continue to talk and through my podcast and try to get women to support other women. And I do think that there's a lot of good women that support other women out there. I think it's a confidence issue. And I think we need to work on when you have... Um, some of your own insecurities, because we all have them. True. Understanding how 
that can play into how happy you are for other success and understanding that there really is enough business out there for everyone. So if we were, listen, I'm just going to tell you now, you're a man, I'm a woman. If us women could get this together, I'm not sure there'd be any seats for you guys. It's just that we keep finding each other, right? I I don't disagree with that at all. But it's, uh, it's funny to hear you say that because it's, it's such a unique take. Yeah. And, um, it sounds terrible for me to say that, but to hear you say that it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's. I think there are certain advantages a business has when they step up and say, "I'm a woman-owned business, and I and here's what I can offer you that maybe a business that is ran by a bunch of men just can't offer you." And there's a difference. Yeah. And, um, well, you, almost everybody's demographic yeah. comes down to which is another conversation. The mom buying it, right? So yeah. kids' products, the mom buying it, men's products, your wife buying my, it. Like, my wife bought. Here we are. We're very split. We're half men, half women here, right? So it's not like I just hire women. But at the end of the day, I think so many people have discounted that having women on your campaign, looking at it from a woman's point of view, over the years, like back to Mad Men, right? Yeah. Like that's who's making that purchasing decision at the end of the day. I I don't make – I make very few purchasing decisions. Yeah. And the ones I do make, guess the first thing – the first phone call I make is to my wife. Exactly. Say, hey – are you oh are you good with this? Yep. She doesn't call me to see what kind of shampoo I want. She doesn't call me to see what I want from the grocery store. Exactly. She, she doesn't seek out my approval. Yeah. She just does it. But yet I seek out hers. Exactly. And that's how I think everybody really is, right? Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of a demographic like for the single men and stuff, but I still think that your mom might play a role in there or your girlfriend or something like that. There's just that demographic for women making the decisions is so heavy and for so long we just discounted it. So we do really look at that when we're looking at clients. The other thing we do is, I don't know, you haven't seen gone into our big open area, but we have a pretty diverse team mm-hmm. and really focusing on that diversity and inclusion space because, you know, I do not believe anybody's demographic is just the white man and woman in Leewood, Kansas anymore. Wow. You're going to be very broke if that's all you're going after, yep. right? And so we focus on every space there is out, out there and we try to get our team I think it was David Bird from um, the YMCA the CEO of the YMCA I heard him say very early on when I started this business if everyone is thinking the same nobody's thinking at all Yeah. and I've just kind of gone with that sense so we bring in team members that we really think can bring a different view on different things I think it's important because the, the pie that you hinted at earlier the, the pie is so big mm-hmm. and there's so much uh, out there that's different mm-hmm. than the traditional white man and you know and it's, it is 30s and 40s that you know that you need the variety the, yeah. the diversity to to look at different clientele base yep um because it's naive as a business owner i would i would ask to say okay i want everyone to look like me talk like me think like me because that's how we're going to grow my business yep um it's a good leadership trait to say okay this is my business i here's me and here's my box i want everyone else maybe in their own little area and my job is to get the team to think together i'm over here talking with my hands and yeah. no, no one can see it but, i saw your boxes you made <laughs> um so walk in the door what's a client look like to you what's what's your typical client look like are they here locally are they anywhere in the country are um you... we have clients all over the country and that's based mostly i will tell you still half of our internal leads come from my linkedin okay which is exciting um at the same time i'd like my sales team to also say that right. so we're right. working on that um so we do have clients all over the country our typical client i mean our clients we are not industry focused 
So we have everything from financial to attorneys to professional athletes, like I said. We have former um, reality show guests that are really taking their personal brand and turning it into a career. We have chefs. We have uh, roofing companies. We have everything across the board. Our who we work with client-wise is somebody that is open to the big ideas and we have this is funny and I kind of chat about this offline but we set it up from the beginning that we're not necessarily in the approval process so on the big things we can approve but on social and that kind of stuff you either need to trust us that we know what we're doing and we've got some stuff built in if you're a financial client and it has to go through compliance right totally get that the laws and stuff like that but Otherwise, you just need to trust us. And you need to trust us that every one of your social things is not going to be an ad. Yeah. Because that's what your competitors are doing, and that's not a social. Because Just because your clients took a marketing class in 84 exactly. does not mean that they... And, and that's not a dis to... Any kind of disrespect to the clients. They know their business better than you know theirs. Oh, I could never do their stuff at right? all. So, but but trust, they also hired us as the experts. Exactly. Trust the people you hire yeah. to do their job. Yeah. Like, when we... Well, we're doing... Yeah, I'm sure you noticed we're doing a renovation right now, like... I told them what I wanted to look like, but I'm not going to at all <laughs> tell them how to do it. You're not a Right? I told them my goal, which yeah. is what our clients do. And I think it's hard in marketing because people see social media as a free thing to use. And everybody thinks because they have a Facebook, they know social media. And so it's been a lot learning. Also because the ROI is different to prove in social. So the one of the things in business I didn't realize is I have as many unbillable hour employees as billable hour employees because I need people on the back end doing the strategy improving the ROI and talking to the clients and all that sort of stuff that was something that I think I've learned over the past two years that that I didn't see coming (laughs) maybe with a strategy I would have no it makes sense (laughs) it makes it so um if someone is listening here and they're wanting to start a business um they're they're interested in making that leap to use your words what, what advice would you have for them? What's, yeah. What would you have to say? Okay, so <laughs> this is really silly, but there, if you Google, there is a video by Steve Hardy, Harvey called Jump. Somebody sent it to me the day I started my business. And somebody that I, it was a guy that I knew in college that played basketball at KU that I didn't even know what he was doing. And he said, I saw on Facebook, you started a business, watch this video. I still watch that video, I'd say quarterly. Um, because it just hit it on the head, and I think it is even more relevant today. So understand why you're starting that business, right? So for me, social media was my passion. So, And it was also an up-and-coming thing. Like, social media has been around, but people are finally starting to go, okay, we need social media. So I knew that social media could provide a good lifestyle if I did good and I worked hard. However, what if my passion would have been... Let's use this because I sat through someone's wine in the middle of Kansas. There is one of the fastest growing wineries right down the road. Who would have thought that 20 years ago? I think we are seriously in a space right now where no matter what thought you have, you if you're passionate enough about it and you work hard enough, you can make that a business. You may not make it the biggest business if it's really niche, but you can make it a business. Right. Right? There are enough people and we have we have access to all those people now that we didn't have 20 years ago that you can make anything a business so I think it has to be passionate I think you need to work hard but I think if you want to do it you absolutely can do it I I would agree that passion is such a requirement I would Mm -hmm. think I mean you have to eat and breathe in your case it's social media and someone else it might be wine it's with someone else that may be you know selling shoes Mm -hmm. you know whatever retail I mean but 
you, that passion is you need to wake up and, and, and think about wine every single day. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it is, it's got to be because you can't fake passion. Yeah. You can't fake a desire to be the best. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, <laughs> I think that <laughs> social media makes it look like it is easy. To do it right makes it look very, makes it look very easy and so even in the retail space you just said that so you can buy a retail store you can buy a franchise of a retail store if you have enough money. a little bit of money and you can buy it what are you gonna do on Black Friday you're gonna have to be there for 12 hours and then 12 hours the next day and then 12 hours the next day like this week that we're talking about right now you're gonna have to be there pretty much 80 hours right. and if you have zero passion for that that sucks if you're waking up on Black Friday and you're like, oh, this is awful. Yeah. I just, it had the crowds, the people, the questions, the, oh, this is just dumb. You're, you're not in the right place. I mean, yeah. Black Friday is a money-making day. Yeah. You should love that. You should be springing out yeah. of bed. And you're right. That's a great example. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's just like that with anything, right? I see a lot, I, have, I get so many messages on my LinkedIn. It's almost funny that say, hey, can you tell me how to grow a social media company? Are you kidding me? Like, I've had someone else that said, can I come and shadow you? Absolutely. Yeah. All day long. All right, so we got cut off real quick. Um, one of our phone right, phones rang, but let's jump back in to where we were talking about here and uh, continue the conversation. Okay, so I want to tell a story of, um, like, I think the difference between using your resources versus because of passion. So I have a, a girlfriend on LinkedIn who... Um, has about the same amount of followers, getting paid five times to speak about LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn's become her full-time right. job. So where I like to run a lot about, um, like I have this weird thing where I love to run like tests and try to figure out the algorithms. I was trying to figure out something on um, LinkedIn's algorithms because they've been changing a lot recently with the spike of new users. So she posted a video and said her advice on commenting to when people comment on your post replying to those. It was 0% what my test results were showing. And so I was able to go in because I've set up this network and say, hey, here's what I'm showing. Can you tell me why you're showing that just so I can understand? And um, in the back end, we had this, she called, we had this conversation and my numbers were showing what for my goal what was correct for her goal it was something else so her so what she was doing was correct for her right because we both had two separate goals so that's the conversation that's a whole different conversation if you email me on linkedin about that versus can you tell me how to start a social media company or can you tell me how to do linkedin there's enough stuff that you can google to tell you to do linkedin so i think using those resources wisely that if you're going to reach out to um somebody and try to try to do something that could really help you in business understanding that Nobody is in the business of helping you figure out your business. They're in the business of helping you. Right. Does right. that make sense? No, it makes sense. I mean, I, I will I will help anyone. Uh-huh. Right? I'll, if they help themselves. If they help themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you take some steps, take some initiative. Yeah. And um, I'll say, I, I'm a, I consider myself a very friendly person. Yeah, I would say so. But I'm not going to go out of my way to be friendly to someone who's not showing that those There's, steps I mean you can't want it more than they do ever. no exactly I, I can't want their success more than they want it yeah. I mean take the steps and, and go that route I, I, I couldn't agree more <laughs> if someone wanted to reach out to you um, what what's the best way to do that what's the best way for them to 
Yeah. Um, they can just reach out through our cocktail. It's heygirl at cocktailhourpodcast.com. Yep. And so um, my, my assistant helps me monitor that email and gets me all the emails. If okay. they want to talk directly or if they want to, you know, if there's any women that are in that C-suite that want to talk about being on our podcast or yeah. lillianjamescreative.com is our uh, website, I think, that our Instagram and our LinkedIn and our Facebook are a lot more fun to follow, right? Okay, sure. Right. <laughs> so follow us on that. We've always got great Instagram stories. That's wonderful. Well, I again, I cannot thank you enough yeah. for, for the time. I know you're busy. Um, it took us several e- email exchanges to get this <laughs> scheduled, but um, that happens. And again, is, is there anything else you want to you want to leave here before we before we part ways? No, I'm just I just think that this marketing space. Obviously, people are going to be listening to this because they're interested in the marketing space, right? Yeah. And I think that it's right now is the most exciting time it's ever been to be in this marketing space because you can be anybody to be in this. Yeah. And so, um, just keep that passion and work hard. Great. Well, thanks so much, everyone. Please uh, subscribe, share. Um, listen to the podcast, uh, maybe not in that order, but um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you again for all the questions coming in. I'll continue to respond to those as I can. Um, the Q and A session last week went over extremely well, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do that again, or maybe we'll get a guest in to just rapid fire questions at them. But thanks again. I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you later.